If you have your Bibles, won't you please turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. You, that you is plural, that means everyone that's listening to Jesus right now in the Sermon on the Mount. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You, plural, are the lights of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give, your, give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I want to unpack verse 13 to you this morning. You are the salt of the earth. And I want to show you how this is the most profound statement, really. The more I think about it, the more I, I, I meditate on what Jesus is actually saying here. It is remarkable. But I want to remind you why we're doing the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, don't worry, Joe, it's not an assessment. <laughs> but remember, God is calling us back to three kinds of love. Now, do you know which dimensions they're in? He's calling us to love. Let's do it together. Calling us to love. Good. And that is to remember that we live. We long for. We love Jesus. He's our first love. Do you want to know why you're here? It's because you are here to know Jesus and to live for him with every single area of your life. The Christian is somebody who knows why they're here. They're here for Jesus. And the second dimension of love is we're called to love. When you start to love Jesus, the mark of your love for him is you start to love what he loves. And let me tell you, he loves his people. These people here are your brothers and sisters. Do you realize that? This church is not just here coming so you can hear a good word, and I hope it's a good word for you this morning. That's just a little piece of what you're You're here with your family that is going to last forever. These brothers and sisters, you're going to worship Jesus one day. The ridge will have a special ridge seat of chairs. When Jesus comes, we'll get together and we'll get to party together as SBC. Wearing red. Wearing red. <laughs> and the third dimension is to love. Let me tell you now. A church that loves out is a church that's really been gripped by Jesus. We don't do that naturally. And I want to remind you, Ridge, like I have said to Sterling, what is the mark of your growth in Jesus? How do you know you are growing as a Christian? It is if this love in these three dimensions is growing in you. It's not church attendance. That's just taken as a given. It's not giving, that's taken as a given. These things that Christ has implemented in his word are not the measurements of your growth. You can come to church for 30 years and stay the same. I want to challenge you this morning, how much is your love growing? And you know how it's growing? It's if your prayers are getting bigger. The more you know God, the more you realize how awesome and how big his mission is in this world. And it moves from just this self-centered kind of praying. And there's a space for that, let me tell you. But there's a space of going, God is big and my prayers are matching his greatness. The second is this, is are you hungering and thirsting for the Lord in greater degrees? How much is your passion and thirst for Jesus in your life? And the third, and let me tell you, it is the highest form. 
is how much do you long for those in your life who don't know Jesus yet to come to know him as his Lord and Savior? Is your longing for the lost in your life to come to know Christ growing strong? Friends, this is the mark of a growing church and a growing Christian. A church that is being gripped in this way with this kind of love is a church that is set on fire. And let me tell you, a church that is set on fire with this kind of love can change the city and even the world. Might I remind you this morning the kind of people Jesus is preaching to in the Sermon on the Mount. Ex-prostitutes. Fishermen. Poor people. That lived in a province that was known in the Roman Empire as the armpits. These guys were barely clothed. There was nothing exceptional about these people. They were the kind of nobodies in the world. And Jesus says to them, you, you, you collective, you people who are coming after me and loving me and, and looking to me as your leader, as your teacher, as the one who's going to move you forward in the things of God. You disciples, you are the salt of the earth. Let me tell you for a moment, just think about that. If you were there, maybe like us this morning, here we are, and Jesus says that to you, you are the salt of the earth, and you look around you and you see these people that are nobodies, and yet 2,000 years later, look at how far the gospel's gone. Can I remind you the start of where this all began? 120 people in a church. Locked upstairs, praying and asking and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come down in the way that Jesus said they were to. And when the Spirit came down, let me tell you, they were set on fire with this love. And the world was never the same again. They could face the lions coming to them in the arena. And they could rejoice because they were going home to the one they loved. They had such a love in that when anybody had need, they sold their house to meet it. That nobody lacked in this early church because of this incredible love they had for each other. And how about this? They, although were beaten, rejected, though they were despised in the world, though they were outcasts, they prayed for their enemies, they forgave, they loved the ones that persecuted them. They were so determined about the mission that God had given them to love out into this world. My friends, the world was never the same. 2,000 years later, here we are on the tip of Africa, hearing the gospel. And Jesus' words were true. You, you, Ridge, you are the salt of the earth. And what's amazing is this natural progression in the Sermon on the Mount, this statement of you are the salt of the earth, it is the natural progression after the Beatitudes. Because I want to remind you, guys, the transforming power of the Spirit in a person who follows Jesus and makes him the Lord and focus of their life. It is radical. You are never the same again. And this saltiness that is Jesus is talking about when he says you are the salt, he's not talking about every Christian by default. He's not talking about a Christian who's come to a place and they've, they've been born again because they've trusted in Jesus. They've saw, seen, uh, looked to him as their Lord and Savior. That this is not a, every single Christian that is salt. It is the Christian who has been transformed in their love for Jesus and has these beatitudes working in their life. It's those who are poor in spirit. 
those who've mourned their sin, those who've experienced what it's like to be meek, to have a hunger and thirst for righteousness, to be merciful, to have a pure heart, to, have, to be a peacemaker. It is this effect of righteousness working in the Christian that makes him taste different in the world. And today, I want to highlight again, guys, we are not here to be nice people as Christians. You know what a nice person is? I struggle with it every day. It's somebody whose sole focus is, does everybody like me? That's not the point. The point of us following Jesus and experiencing this transforming power is to become like him. And let me tell you, you are going to become different to the world around you the more or the deeper you go in your pursuit of him. The difference is this much. Salt, which has a different flavor, right? Anyone put salt in their tongue? Versus a world that is dead, that has got no flavor, it's got no life. You're an entirely different substance as a Christian because of the work of the power of the Spirit in you. You are light versus a dark world. What Jesus is saying is, if you will come after him and follow him with all your life, and seek to please Him with all your life, is this transforming power is so radical in you, you become salt and light in the world. And not every Christian has this saltiness, right? Right? Not every Christian has this saltiness about them. And I want to build on that point in just a moment. But this Christian we're talking about, this disciple is the one who has experienced, which Matthew 13 talks about, or the verse before Matthew 13, who has experienced persecution for righteousness' sake. They've experienced this effect of the world responding to them in a certain way because of what Jesus has done in them. And can I remind you this morning what salt is like. Salt was of extreme value in the ancient world. And I've been on a bit of, sal of a salt journey myself. Anyone uh, guess how much I paid for this salt cellar? Anyone want to throw it out there? No, no, no. <laughs> Anyone? Another guess? Come on, mom. You follow me? I'm a, I love specials. 17 rands. Hey? Not bad. Not bad price. Do you know that in the ancient world, Roman soldiers got paid in salt? It was of such value. That's where that saying comes from, where it says, you are worth, he's worth his weight in salt, right? In China, there was only one thing more expensive than salt. It was gold. And I want to remind you this morning, what Jesus is saying when he says, you are the salt of the earth, he says, this saltiness in you, this desire and love that you have for Jesus and the effect it's having in your life, it is the most precious thing in the world. The thing in your life, it is like gold. If you don't guard it, if you don't keep it, if you don't consider it to be precious, man, you experience tremendous loss. And Jesus implies that this salt, it's going to be rare. I want to remind you of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. It says, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus could have said, you're like trees. 
or like sand. But he says, no, no, you like salt. This godliness, this saltiness that Jesus is talking about, it is so precious. It's priceless. And it's to be guarded with our lives. And I want to remind you about the nature of salt and its various uses this morning. Salt is an amazing thing. And uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time because m- many of you have probably heard a sermon on this verse already and the amazing nature of salt. But I want to just remind you of three things this morning. The first is salt makes you thirsty, right? I bought a packet of chips on Friday, salt and vinegar. I didn't tell my wife, but I ate the whole thing. I didn't want to bring it home. So I ate it Friday afternoon before supper. I was so thirsty the rest of the night. I drank water and water and water. And let me tell you, generally speaking, the world is sleepy towards the gospel. They are uninterested. But introduce a salty Christian This question that's exhibiting these beatitudes in their life, I tell you, they change the taste in that person's life of what they're experiencing in this Christian. They start to wake up the world by the sheer godliness and manner of their life. The world starts to take notice that there's something different. And I guarantee you've met Christians like this, right, in your life. There is just this difference of taste about them that when they are with you, you get a sense of no, no, no. I want what they've got. They make you thirsty. And the amazing thing is this. Can I show you into, I can let you into a little secret about the inner workings of Matthew Johnson? I am naturally quite a stressed person, highly strung, right? And I thought that the way I have to be sold is I have to keep working hard to try and see how I'm making a difference. How are people responding to me in the workplace? And so as a pharmacist, I would sweat inside to try and be different. But in actual fact, what I've realized is This difference comes through a side effect of knowing who you love and serve and why you're there. Now, some of us are like that, right? But I want to remind you that Jesus is saying all of it. You are the salt. He's not saying you're trying to be the salt. You are the salt because of your incredible longing and loving for him in your life. That's what you're guarding. You are coming out as someone different. You're just by as a side product, looking different, tasting different, presenting a different form of life to the world around you. You're not working. Oh, it's so heavy to be salt. No, he says you are because of Christ's work in you. Well, moving on quickly. It's a seasoning, right? It brings flavor. And last week, Saturday, I didn't expect it to happen, but I gave Marina a low-GI recipe for hearty winter soup. And I came home from a wedding, and when I arrived in the kitchen, Marina said the first thing, you've got to sort that soup out. It's disgusting. And I tasted it. It really was. It tasted like more like hearty winter dishwater, I'd probably say. It, was probably, it looked the same. And what's the first thing you reach for? You reach for? Salt. Just a little bit change the whole flavor, right? Can I say to you, we must not underestimate the powerful impact our love for Jesus has in the way it comes out in the world around you. Because the last one that I want to talk about this morning I'm trying to preach a rich sermon used to, using, used to sterling time, so just bear with me. I'm trying to speed things up a bit. But the last thing I want to speak to you about in this quality is that salt is an antiseptic and a preservative, right? 
Now, as a pharmacist, you learn that salt can be rubbed into a wound. And so, if I gave this to my dad and he's got a bleeding wound, if I say, just hold on to that uh, salt cellar like this, is that going to make him feel better? Is that going to bring any healing? No. What do you have to do to make sure that that salt is effective in its healing property? You have to? You have to rub it in. And let me tell you, this is the secret of our identity as Christians. Is that God wants your relationship with Jesus and the effects of it in your life to be rubbed into the world around you. Your faith is not a private affair. And I want to let you into a, a little journey I've been on and why there are two salt sellers on the pulpit this morning. I bought this one first. But eventually it was so frustrating because no salt would come out because the salt would just cling together. Everyone, anyone bought salt like that before? And I sat there, eventually wanting to throw the darn salt against the wall because every time I tried to use it, the salt would stick. And so I bought a new one, which is fantastic. And as I was preparing this sermon, I felt like the Lord said, Matthew, this is what the church can be like. Is we like to stick together, right? We like to keep salt as a private affair. But the salt is useless. It's useless if it stays in here. It has to come out and be rubbed into the world around us, right? Do you know that Jesus wants to rub you into every relationship and context in your life? And I want to ask you this morning, how interested are you in terms of the people in your life and those around you? Are you concerned about where they're at? Do you see your life as something God wants to rub into? It has to come into contact with the world around it in order for it to be effective. And the danger is, Ridge, I want to just caution us this morning, is a love for Jesus always has a public side. And we can feel the love of God and enjoy His presence, which we must do. But we have to remember the purpose of it is so that the world can taste it too. And I feel for us, we can forget the reason why salt exists is it brings healing, but it's also an antiseptic. It brings decay. And it's because of the nature of the way it works. And I want to remind you this morning of the reason why Jesus wants to work powerfully in your life and transform you as these Beatitudes have been speaking about. It's because God understands what the real problem of the world is. Can I remind you this morning? The real problem of the world is not how big a person's house is or the lack thereof. The real problem of the world is not how much money you have in the bank account or how little you have. The real problem of the world is not how educated you are or how many degrees you have. That's not the real problem of the world. 
the real problem that the world has is what the Christian understands is that the world is born cut off from God. Ridge, the people around you have eternal destinies. There is such a thing as heaven and hell. And this understanding of our saltiness is so priceless to the Lord because he's saying, Christians, you understand what's at stake in the world around you. The reason why you are so concerned about being rubbed into the world around you. It's not so that you can have a nice, comfortable life. Let me tell you, God promises to provide everything you need. It's not that you can be there so that everybody likes you and you're so nice that everybody applauds you. No, no, you're set free from that because you understand why you're there. You are there because you understand that in your life, you have what the world really needs. And it is the understanding that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And a person's response to him determines their eternal destiny. We can feed the world. We can clothe the world. We can build houses for the world. But what Jesus said is, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his soul? And I ask you this morning, where do you stand with the Lord? Because one day, we're going to stand before him. And the Christian understands that their purpose in life is to be the salt. And the real effect of the saltiness in their life is for the gospel. The good news. And I remind you, the reason why the gospel has spread like it has is because it's been entrusted into the hands of Christians who know why they're here. I want to tell you a quick story before I finish on my final point. Any of you heard of a guy called Hudson Taylor? Let me put up your hand to see. Okay. Hudson Taylor was a guy who used to sit on his bed as a young man, and he used to look at the map of China on his wall, and he used to sit and think about the statistic in his head over and over. A million people are dying in China every month without Christ. And this man went and packed his bags, sailed to China, and started a work in China in the corner of the world that nobody cared about. Let me tell you, the Christian loves the person nobody cares about, reaches out to the person in the office nobody cares about, goes to the family member, everybody's written off. They have this understanding that their purpose is to take this gospel to the corners of the world. And my friend, you've got to take it to the corners of your world. And these men, like Hudson Taylor, William Carey, David Brannard, took these, in, this message of, of the gospel to the corners of the world because they understood that the purpose of their life was to be salt that would add to this message of the gospel, saltiness in their manner and their message. I want to nudge you a bit this morning. Is that the way you see your life? To pray for? to serve, to love in such a way that your priority is that people around you would come to know Jesus Christ.
often we portray the Christian church as a place where you can find strength in your times of trouble. That's fine. But Jesus is saying, no, no, no. The kind of person that follows him goes way beyond that. They understand that their mission in life is to represent him. And that none of you have the family members, whether you like them or not, by accident. None of them are in the position of work where you are by accident. None of you have that sports love or that passion that you have by accident. God is so orientating you in your world. You might even feel like you can barely get out of doors during the day because of your health or because of your situation in life. I ask you, how much do you see the time you have left on earth as an opportunity to serve the Lord in this call to be salt? How much do you pray? How much do you think about? How much are you motivated by the understanding of your role of being salt, that it brings healing and it prevents decay through your own life and passion for Jesus and your own vocalness about what he's done in your life and what he can do in the world around you? Because in the end, I have to be honest with you, the further you go with Jesus, the more he wants to put you on display. Can I remind you what I said in the beginning? The more you want to love and follow Jesus, the more he's going to put these people on your heart. The more he's going to challenge you to look wider to think more intentionally about what you are doing with your life and why. And the further you go, the more you'll be called to embrace it. How much do you want Jesus, Ridge? How much do you want him in your life? Do you want his fullness? Then he's saying you'll experience it in the fullness of the mission he has for you. Let me tell you the wonder of waking up in the morning and knowing why you eat, why you sleep, why you, why you breathe. It's this in adventure of knowing God is wanting to use you in the world around you. How much do you pray for the city, for the government, for your colleagues, for your friends? How much do you believe he can answer? create God conversations, opportunities that you never thought would be possible. I end with this. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. I want to just make a passing comment. The most important thing in your life, the thing that keeps you salty, is your love for Jesus. Don't complicate it. How much do you love Jesus? How much do you want him in your life? How much do you want to live for him? I want to to advise you, don't let that desire, that longing for him grow cold. It happens, right? And when that happens, we lose our saltiness. 
But I want to argue just on the other side. Jesus says you is plural in this. You are the salt of the earth. Ridge, you as a community of disciples of Christ. Your saltiness matters because your level of saltiness determines whether the ridge is going to stand in the future. What did I do with this salt cellar that I couldn't get any salt out of? I had to throw it away. Had to be replaced. You know what Jesus says? He said to the church of Ephesus in Revelations 2, he said, You're so busy. You're doing all this stuff. But yet I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. He said, If you don't repent, I'm going to remove your lampstand. Talking about the church. And I want to just leave you with this thought this morning. Of how much do you pray for and encourage each other's saltiness around you? You know, Jesus wants us to be an encouragement and to be the kind of church that when Joe maybe, let me turn around, Joe maybe sees me uh, lagging a bit in my passion and thirst for the Lord. You know, on a Sunday, when you laugh, you just, oh, life's so bad. It's just terrible. I've got, I've got no money. I've got no purpose. Life just sucks. Can't say nobody. Come on, come on, man. Come on, brother. Get up. Come on. That's it. You have an eternal destiny. You have a purpose. God has a plan. He loves this church. He loves this city. He loves this suburb. He loves your colleagues. He loves your family. He sent his son to die for them. Don't you think that he wants you to be on an adventure? He's not saying, go out on my behalf. He's saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. Don't you think that if I say you're salt, it's going to be exciting? It's going to be something that will be so life-giving? I'm telling you, our problem is we are so focused on ourselves. That's why we're so depressed. When you start to see the world around you, that you serve a God that promises to supply your needs, you start to see a world around you that there is an exciting opportunity to see God moving. My friends, that's the kind of person who's motivated. I ask, why are you here this morning? You're here for Him. And He promises to be faithful to you in everything you need. I'm inviting you this morning, Ridge. You are the salt of the earth. We have to guard the saltiness. We have to stir it up in one another. We have to look to Jesus. My dad was reading that verse this morning. It has meant so much to me this week. We have to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We stir one another up because, you know, at the end of the day, this is not home. This is not home. We're going home. How we live in this life matters then. And we want to take as many people with us. We're going home. Whether we lose our life, who cares? Whether we suffer a little bit in the rejection, you know, my biggest thing is it's yours too. It's our reputation. We don't want to share the gospel because what will people think of us? Let me tell you, we have to think about what Christ thinks of us because that's all that's going to matter on that day. We live with freedom. Live with purpose. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the blessing of being on mission with you. We thank you, Lord, that we have a God that loves the world, that he would even use weak things like us to say, hey, I'm alive. And I pray this morning, oh God, if there's just one thing I could ask, is that you would stir up this love for Jesus in us, that you would 
make us so thirsty for Him and thirsty in our hearts for those around us to know Him that we'll be a church that never asks the question, why are we here? But we know we had to present the world with the one we love, the hope of eternal life, the one that gives forgiveness of sin, the one that gets to bring us into eternity in the security of a love of a father. Lord, we pray for this to burn in our hearts. Let it grow from strength to strength. Let us be a church that encourages each other in this, focuses on it, doesn't let it grow cold in us. We ask, how are you doing in the Lord? Ask, where's your faith? What can we pray for? What can we stir up in you for Christ? We pray for this in your precious name. Amen.